Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Extra Podcast. This is Paul Siemens here with you today for episode number 281. And Greg Harris is with us. Hi, Paul. Good to have you here. <laughs> Andy Steiger. Present. Yeah. How's that beard coming? You know what? Are you going to lose it soon or what? That yeah. Is a, that is a beautiful beard. My wife it? gave it a 3 out of 10, so it's gone. A th- oh, that's sad. Yeah. 10 being super sexy. It got a three. It it's got the professorial look. Though. My boys gave it a one, and it's itchy. I think, it, and I look forward to shaving it. But I you know what? It gives you some credit, CBC. I think when you teach your class. Yeah. Is, do you know it's supposed to be? Uh, mo- this is Jeff, by the way. Thanks for welcoming me. <laughs> oh yeah, there's that um, <laughs> that guy here. Oh gosh. So so uh, Andy, it's supposed to be Movember because of the mustache, and cel- you're supposed to be bringing about a prostate <laughs> the mustache prostate prostate cancer awareness. And why have you gone with a beard? Can you please shave it off except for the mustache? Jeff is stuck in an old-timey Listen. Movie. <laughs> ah, it's supposed to be the mustache. <laughs> That's what the Movember's about. Can you you got you have a you both have beards, you and Greg. Greg Greg does it so he doesn't look like he's 18. <laughs> Which he still just looks like he's 19. Come on. Whatever. So Greg, can you can you shave off your beard for just the mustache? And Andy for just the mustache, please. And we will. Can we get a photo of it? I will do that. I will do it when I shave my beard. I have a week long process where it, my facial hair decreases. So, so you're gonna go to the goatee. So can you at, go with the goatee point, and the lamb chops first? Sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll take opinions on on how those five days of the decreasing of the beard should go. Okay, we'll take pictures and post them on to Northviews. Yep. Why? Well, we should I don't have know a podcast it, Instagram though, yeah. site. By the way, why do we why extra can't we podcast? Just, why can't we just take photos and put it on Northview's Instagram? Yeah. Uh, why don't, why I don't know how official this is. Are why you on Instagram, we, Jeff? <laughs> no, official. Why don't you take pictures and throw it on the Dr. J. Bucky Buck? We could do that. Jeff's on Twitter, by the way. If you didn't know that, uh, don't follow, follow him. him. No, he's no. pointless on Twitter. <laughs> Instagram, you're you're like tolerable. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't post anything on Twitter. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Instagram every once in a while. By the way, I I got officially kicked off Twitter. What? Yeah, but I didn't I didn't post for two years by That's Twitter. What, yeah, Twitter oh, kicked so me off. So they deleted it. They did. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't either. Yeah, my my account has been officially uh, terminated. So you're gonna have to start a new one. I doubt it. That'll be hard. At the real Andy Steiger, money sign. I don't know what it is, Tiger. but I hate Twitter, man. I just do. Twitter's gonna go away soon. Just so you know, it doesn't make any money. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there it is. I there, said it. Wow. Said it out loud. Let Boom. It, let it be known. I was. I said it first. Snapchat is where it's at. So <laughs> thirty years when it's gone. I said it first. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Listen. Wait for it. Episode two eighty one. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we were uh, we were listening to some good wildfire. I actually was recording a little bit of that earlier. You were. <laughs> <laughs> so that might have been at the beginning. So what was wildfire? For those uh, of who were listening to the song, <laughs> you were recording it. Yeah. I recorded a little bit of So that when just. I was a kid, my mom and dad used to listen to, I guess, like, what do you call that? Like country, but it sort of country folk stuff. I, I just called horrible. Yeah. And so this was a song that they listened to <laughs> about a horse. His name's Wildfire. And I'd be interested to know how many people who, if, you, if they're listening to that, remember the song about Wildfire. Because when I was a kid, I remember I remember that being kind of one of the theme songs of my childhood, the Magic mm. Horse Wildfire. Mm. Mm. 
Hmm. It's one of my favorites. Did your parents listen to the Oak Ridge Boys? I don't know. My mom was a no. real Buddy Holly fan for a while, Buddy so Holly. I remember her listening to Buddy oh, yeah. Holly a lot. But um, that wildfire, yeah, kind of the late 70s folk thing. Do you know what else they used to listen to? Mm-mm. A little guy by the name of little Kenny Richard. Rogers. <laughs> a little Rogers. guy. You know, listen, Kenny, listen, my legit. sister and I used to sing He's had uh, a lot the of gambler. facelifts. We used to sing The Gambler you got to know all me. the time. When by the way, there is some great wisdom. There's some great wisdom in the song The Gambler. Mm. Was he married to Dolly Parton? I don't know. Um, I think they sang together. No. Lonnie they were, Andrews. I think I always wanted Lonnie them to Andrews. Be That's right. They were Lonnie Islands Andrews. No, not Lonnie Andrews. Lonnie were, Anderson. They were Lonnie Island. Andrews goes to our church. They were Lonnie Island. Anderson. They were They were Islands uh, in the you, stream. Uh, 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 uh. There you go. With the gambler. We don't do time to sleep. You know, I met Dolly Parton. You did not. I did. In a Portland airport. Did you go up and say hello to her? I did. Her bodyguards were just standing there. She has bodyguards. She's like four foot tall, man. And I said, hey. She said, hey. And then that was it. And then she wrote a blurb for your book. <laughs> Do you? And then I yeah, like, I've heard yeah, she's pretty short. you give me an endorsement? <laughs> <laughs> and the blurb is, hey, from Dolly Parton. <laughs> All right. Nice. All right, let's get some questions. Uh, so we've got um, one listener who wrote in and uh, is asking about, oh, this is the question, I'll just read it. How do we stand up for our beliefs while loving those who practice other lifestyles, such as the LGBTQ plus lifestyles? Uh, how do we stand up for our beliefs while loving those who practice those lifestyles, but also at the same time not condoning those lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. Andy, do you have any uh, input on that? Uh, well, this is this is this is a, a question. This is the question actually I think a lot of people should be asking. This is how our culture should be thinking about this. You know, how do we disagree with one another uh, but still get along? I think that's what they're asking. Like, right? Is it yeah. possible to Yeah, is it possible to disagree but, you know, right. yes. still get along? And that's the thing. I I don't this is the thing that kind of that, that irks me. I don't know about you guys. But I have a lot of friends that I disagree with, and we're still friends, right? right. Yes. Yeah, the things you disagree with them about, though, they don't see as being core to their being, right? So if you if you disagreed fundamentally and thought immoral, my Christianity, so you thought that me being a Christian was an immoral thing. The I don't know how I don't know how well we're going to get along. I, like, honestly, I don't know if we're going to be able to have meals together and hang out because you believe something fundamental about me that you think is immoral. So I see I I I understand that I think this is why somebody who is LGBTQ plus to use the language of the emailer um, feels that way is because they see they see their sexuality as being something fundamental to their person. Right, I, I guess the and the the argument they want to make is it would be like somebody saying, "Well, you know, I I don't like black people or something like right. that," and it's like, "Well, I can't change the color of my skin." And right, but they they see not we're, we're, it would be like saying um, that black people are by nature immoral right. for being for being black. So that's I'm just trying to say that's not the way that I would view it. I'm just saying that the way that I think somebody in that community views the way that we view. Uh, them, even though I say, yes, well, I believe everybody's immoral, (laughs) 
right? I, 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 I'm friends with, with, uh, with people who are, you know, actively rebelling against God at various points, and we're still friends. I, I think that this issue, though, is more central to the person mm. than those other issues, and whether it should be or shouldn't be, that's a debate that we can have. And I, I mean, I, I tend to be somebody who says, no, I don't think your sexuality or do you, sexual choices should be so fundamental to your person. But this is something that they feel so strongly and have lived with for so long that they feel that way. And so it's very difficult to have those kinds of, re, uh, kinds of strong relationships with people who hold that view, which every Christian should understand because if people rejected them basis, basically because of their Christianity, they would have a hard time being friends with that person. So it's hard. That's all I'm saying, which everyone knows. I agree with you completely. Here's the challenge, though, that goes through my mind that I'm thinking about, particularly with this this particular question. And that is, if I'm at if I'm at work, okay, and there is somebody that's a homosexual or maybe they're transgender or whatever it might be, and the question then becomes, well, how am I supposed to work with that individual? Same way you work with everybody else. And and that's my point. Yeah. The same way that you would work with anybody else. Because I think one of the challenges that a lot of people think is, well, because I disagree with them, that for some like that I need to get into some sort of confrontation with them. You know, you know, what you know, what does my posture need to be uh, to that individual? And and my thing is, you know, if if somebody is homosexual, let's say that's at your workplace, uh you know, I'd love to hear how you guys would approach this, but the way that I would approach this would be the way I'd approach anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. I would want to be uh, Christ in their life. I'd want to care for them, love love them. And would, you know, it's the same It's the same way with anybody with any sin going on in their life. Do I want to see them come to know Jesus? Do I want to see them repent of their sin and to live the life the way that God intends it for them? Well, absolutely I do. But at the same time, I realize that that's not going to be, you know, that that's not going to be the entry conversation to you know somebody that's homosexual or transgender. Did I make any sense with that? Yeah, I mean, I think the conversation of it has a nuance depending on if the person that we're talking about is a believer or not. I think if we're trying to have a conversation with a person as a fellow Christian who is embracing a lifestyle, regardless of what it is, of something that we think is in opposition to what the scriptures teach. I think you're going to have a more of a pointed a, a pointed conversation about the sin in question. Maybe um, not in the first sit down with them. No, no, no. But, but in, in the, in the context gonna... of your relationship, you're going to have to say some pointed things about where you think they're being unfaithful to what the scriptures teach. But when it comes to a non-believer, I think the temptation for, for those of us who are believers is is to try to make people good moralists and make their behavior match what we want their behavior to look like. Mm-hmm. And we forget the part that we can change parts of behaviors, perhaps, but changing behavior is not ultimately the goal with non-believers, just to help them to come to know Jesus. And in the context of that conversation, we'll have to talk about repentance, but that's not... The, the point isn't to try to change people's behavior. And so if people feel this, like, I, I need to be on a moral crusade to help people live morally and so it's going to be hard for me to work regardless with of who they regardless of right. who they, what they profess about faith in Christ right. or yeah I think that's that's a that's a mm. troubling perspective to hold and I don't even I don't I don't think it's it's healthy or biblical or, well God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike right so this totally. is this is the this is the attitude we ought to have toward those who are 
who are outside of God's uh, God's covenant grace at this point. So I, what we say then is God treats them with kindness, right? He doesn't draw a line in the sand and say, well, this the, the rain will only come this far over my righteous people and no further. Mm-hmm. He actually he, he, he liberally gives in that way. And like, likewise, Christians ought to be the kindest people around when it comes to that sort of thing. I don't think you need to agree with some, you know, if the subject comes up, you don't need to say, well, no, I think it's okay or not. But the way you treat somebody is going to be with kindness, the same way God does mm-hmm. in that regard. But, of course, you'd want to seek their repentance and ultimately call them to repent and, and believe the gospel, just like you'd call uh, somebody who is a habitual liar or a greedy person or uh, an adulterer or I don't know how many different kinds of sins that we could list off mm-hmm. here, <laughs> all it, of them. It, it would right. be great if people... Uh, so for the sake of this question, the example of someone who's, who's living a, a, a homosexual lifestyle and they're working with a Christian and the person who's living a homosexual lifestyle is not a believer. It would be great if the witness was that, that the homosexual non-believer was shocked that their Christian friend actually disagreed with their sexuality because of how kindly they were treated by their coworker repeatedly. Yeah. And then when the conversation did come up, they would anticipate to hear affirmation from their coworker who's a believer. And when they don't hear affirmation, that that would be a, like a, how can a you ch- shocking moment in the context yeah. of their relationship because everything previous to that conversation was... Yeah, how could you treat me so well? Would have pointed them to the opposite. And be so kind to me and yet hold this particular viewpoint. That should create the problem. And, and the yeah. answer to that question is because God causes the rain to fall on the just right. and the unjust alike. But this is this is the challenge, I think, that we find, is mm. when people don't agree with, with a particular lifestyle, and I think also culture, the society has also mm. uh, challenged this because we live in a culture that says, no, you must say that this is right uh, and, and moral, getting back to what Jeff was saying, uh, but you have to understand, you look, I, I, I have to, again, I want to reiterate, I think the expectation of some Christian people is that, that e, e, listen, if I do it this way, the way Greg just described, that people, after that moment, and they realize that you don't agree with their lifestyle choice, and you, you find it immoral, um, for biblical reasons, you might point out and say, well, I believe, you know, whatever, even though you've been super, super nice for a long time, I, I just have to say that because people view this as, as such so fundamental to who their mm-hmm. person is, I, d- I don't know if you can expect them to cheer mm-hmm. or be, hey, that's okay, or whatever. I'm, I, I, again, I'm, I'm actually talking about the Christian. I'm not talking about the person that's the homosexual or whatever is going on in their life. I'm saying I think it's hard for the Christian to, to, be kind, like the, to show the kind of kindness you're talking about, Greg, because there, there are Christians that have this difficult difficulty in disagreeing with somebody and being so um, annoyed and frustrated and and oppressed themselves by by a secular culture that they have a difficult time making that divide beca- between going okay culture's doing this and I'm feeling pushed in this way but here's this coworker that I'm caring for and I'm I'm seeking to show them love and this is the challenge I think it's is it's difficult for the christian as well as the non-Christian, to care for one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I just heard a, a story recently, actually, about a, a church, um, 
uh, yeah, anyway, it's from a friend um, who told me about a church in their hometown that um, there, that provided space for an AIDS group to meet. It was like a, this AIDS support group. And in their town, there wasn't a lot of different spaces that, that this group, I guess there, it was large enough, there, there weren't enough, there weren't very many places that they could find to meet that weren't going to charge a lot of money. And they called around to a number of different churches, and the churches oh, rejected them and said, no, sorry. But this one church opened up uh, a room once a week for them and said, yeah, you guys can come and meet here. And now um, the, the leader of that group uh, when he's had other issues in life and other needs, he calls that church and he talked to the pastor and he says, I don't even really, like, I don't call myself a Christian and I don't even know why I come to you, but you guys are my church. And so this is just an example of of seeing, you know, some, uh, the, the church was, was willing to love these people and show them love just by opening up their doors to them for this for this one meeting. But and that's the thing, right? It's showing love but lovingly disagree. And this is sure. where I think a lot of Christians get it wrong is they don't know how to do the loving disagree, so what they do instead is they compromise their belief mm-hmm. and they'll want to accommodate. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's an attitude among a lot of people that I've noticed in uh, our culture that uh, you have to agree with everything somebody else believes in order for you to be friends with them. Mm. That at any point of disagreement it's either all or nothing type stuff. You like so you have mm-hmm. to be just like me. You have to like the sports I have to like. You have to like you know all the the arts that I like. You mm. have to you know yeah. what I mean. Wildfire. We, yeah, wildfire. <clears throat> so like if you don't like any of that stuff, we can't be friends. If you don't people, like the Seahawks, you can't be friends yeah. with Jeff. People are mixed bag, right? Mm. Right. Like they, they are. Every one of us is a mixed bag, and we have different. This is where the the issue of grace comes in generally, right? Now, I'm not, listen, don't hear me as saying that the issue of grace means that you overlook the sin of homosexual acts in the life of a of a of a professing believer. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that on most occasions, we just need to let people be with a lot of the things that are non-moral in their mm-hmm. lives. But we tend to want to have everybody agree with us on everything, and we sometimes take non-moral things and make them very moral, which is what most legalists do. And so we end up saying, my, my particular tastes in this matter or that matter end up have actually a moral basis. We even, we even employ the Bible, even when the Bible's not speaking to those issues, we employ the Bible in our defense. And we say, well, see, the Bible says that, and then if, but if you actually really look at what we're saying the Bible says, it's not, it's not actually the case. So it just... I don't know. It would be great if Christians were people who recognize that grace, <clears throat> but there's a there's a tension there because on the one hand, we are people people of grace who've received that grace. On the other hand, we are people who are following Jesus and and denying ourselves and taking up our cross. And so there's mm-hmm. a there's a level of kind of accountability and that sort of stuff. So it's hard. It, this is a difficult path to walk. And, and I was going to bring that up. People aren't going to like you. <clears throat> you know. Mm-hmm. You, just because you care and love for people doesn't mean they're going to care and love for you back. Like, yep. this is a difficult road to walk, and we do disagree with people on issues that are fundamental to their lives that are going to create friction. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, here's 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 my thing. At the end of the day, a Christian should be confident in their faith to the degree that it allows them to not be uncomfortable to love and to care for people. I, I often think that it's those that are weakest in their faith that often are the most vitriol and the most um, uh, confrontational. Yeah. Um, 
little little illustration of this though. This is a cultural wide problem. There used to be years ago that if you disagreed with somebody politically, um, like so, if you were a, you know, if you if you were an NDP um, uh, minister of parliament and you wanted to get together with somebody from uh, the Labour Party or or some other party that you disagreed with fundamentally on several issues, right? Um, you you would argue tooth and nail <clears throat> in the parliament. And you get mad at each other and even say harsh things uh, about the position that the other person held. But then afterwards, everybody go out for drinks or everybody. This has happened in the U.S. frequently, a Democrat and a Republican. Uh, I, there are great stories about these, these people who've been in, the, in politics for years being the best of friends. But when they go into the chamber, they argue strongly against each other for their view of how the world ought to run or how the laws should be enforced mm-hmm. or passed. They go out afterwards and hang out with each other and be friends. There's actually, I can't remember, uh, there's a Democratic strategist who's always on an election time. He's a bald guy. His name is Car- Carver. Uh, I, think. I, I can't remember. But anyway, he's married to, a, he has been married to a, a Republican strategist for years. I hear these two people hmm. who are married to one <laughs> another, but they view, they honestly view the politics as a game hmm. in the same way that, you know, you might be married to somebody who doesn't support your sports team. And yes, it's an important game, but it's not the fundamental thing to, to them. And so this kind of approach to life, that there, there are more important things, for example, than different, com- there are more important commonalities that we might have as human beings or as uh, people living in the same country or these sorts of things, sometimes don't override our differences, not just of opinion, but even of moral frameworks so that we can't get along now. And I, that's all I'm saying is it's a different cultural mood today than it has been in the past. People take themselves very, very seriously. And maybe, maybe that's right, maybe it's, it's wrong, but it's, it's, it, it creates a very difficult setting for us to be buddies with people who we don't agree with on even mm-hmm. any, any minor issues or even major ones. Mm-hmm. Paul's computer broke and he yeah. had the questions. <laughs> so oh, now I pulled up the document with some questions. My Can Apple ask- did the Apple equivalent of a blue screen. <laughs> Apples uh, aren't perfect, all you Apple lovers out there. But anyway. Wow. Are, can can I ask <laughs> another question or is this throw the Apple under the bus, will you? Yeah. Maybe it was user error. <laughs> I saw it, it looked saw it, it looked it looked pretty yeah. Apple-ish problem. Oh, wow. okay, uh, here's a question. Guys, it's the first week of Advent. It is which Greg. means Thanksgiving is over. The it real, the real Thanksgiving. De- yes, it's decorations over. The real are one. starting to go up, even in townhouse complexes. The hey, strata are fin- keen. I'm be- cutting you off because I got to tell you something about I Thanksgiving. Kind of, I was kind of on a roll, but no, okay, you hold do on. your thing. Uh, I was at a church last weekend with Chuck Swindoll. No, you weren't. Yeah, so I says pardon. Not this week. Did he week, come here? Week, no, the week before last, mm-hmm. I was at a church in Texas, Chuck Swindoll, and he said that Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is uh, the uh, is the holiday that America does and nobody else in the world. <laughs> well, that's no, I'm, cla- I'm actually like, serious. Yeah, he like said in November. Very... No, that's no, he classic. said that we do it. No, it's it's unique to the United States. We we can agree that the United States make a bigger deal of Thanksgiving. Now here's the question: They no, don't he, do it in the UK. It's the excited states trying, of America. I'm trying to give Swindoll the benefit of the doubt. No, he then he prayed and he said he thanked God that even though the United States had um, some difficulties and it's a bit of a mess. It's the best country in the world. That's a true American. Which I thought it was awesome because I'm sitting there, me and Kyle are sitting next to fl- two, Cana- two Canadians and Ezra and Steve Weens, and 
yeah. I think a, a I think Kenyan Steve got Canadian. lost right there That's at that awesome. point. I was and there was a flag waving. Behind I was saying, him, was a, there not? Amen. Yeah, there was a big flag. No, there waving. wasn't. <laughs> yes. No, there wasn't. Okay, of course. <laughs> Actually, there was. Yeah, there's a flag on the stage. Jolly. Do you know though? A great question to ask Canadians is why do you celebrate Thanksgiving? They they oftentimes Canadians have no idea the history behind it. I am a Canadian. No, you're not. I am. Because My mother's a Canadian. Listen, you, listen. No, you're you a half breed beggar. You're, yeah, you, you are a mutt. You're like the Samaritans. You're an American Canadian Canada. mutt. Hey, you sound like an American. <laughs> I am a purebred. All right. <laughs> but Ladies and gentlemen, A. Steiger at Northview.org. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Greg, I just wanted to tell that story so that it would give some context to how some Americans view the Thanksgiving holiday yeah. of which you're speaking. America. And Andy apparently America. is one of them. There you go. All right. So uh, it's first week of Advent, and Christmas is around the corner. So we have the—I think we have this question just about every year. And so you know, why not? Let's ask it again. Come on, Jeff. This is gonna be good. Don't look like that. This will be fun. What is it? The don't why should why why don't why do we celebrate a pagan holiday? The question is, what does the Bible say about celebrating Christmas, and doesn't it have pagan? Roots. Well, if you dun, by, dun, dun. if by pagan roots you mean uh, Saturnalia, which is what they did celebrate, and there are big. If you can, you can actually Google that, Saturnalia was a Roman holiday <clears throat> that they used to celebrate right around this time of year, and they used to bring plants inside their houses to try to preserve them f- so that the gods who inhabited them, I think, would not d- actually die. So the evergreen became an, a sign as of like eternal life and stuff. I think I'm I might be mixing all sorts of stuff up there. But Sounds I'm good to sure. me, Jeff. No, I think Saturnalia was it. So yes, the answer to the question is why do we celebrate Christmas on the day that we celebrate it, and why are there certain activities that we do around Christmas time? Yes, they they were uh, originally uh, pagan holidays and had pagan roots. However, 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 and I want to say it's Saint Boniface or somebody they they. Christians have a great history Gregory, of, Gregory uh, the first, I think. of adopting these things hmm. and stealing them and saying, "Wait a minute, we have a way. We have repurposing. A, we have a way better thing to celebrate this time of the year. So we're going to steal this holiday, and we're going to actually take some of the stuff that's celebrated, like bringing a tree inside one's house, and we're going to say, as I think one of the one of the uh, bishops said, and I think it's Saint Boniface, or maybe you said Gregory, who said that it looks like the Trinity." The tree looks like a trinity because it's got three sides to it, it's which is tree. a triangle. <laughs> oh, man. Like a, it's the trinity. Yeah, so... <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. no, but I mean that. We did that. Luther was one of the... I think Martin Luther, some argument here, but Martin Luther was one of the first people who, who put light on the tree because... And he had some spiritual reason for doing it. Mostly he thought it looked good. Yeah. So, you know... So, in, in other ways... Here's this pagan holiday that Christians stole, and they started re reattributing the, some of the forms of the holiday to Christian have Christian meaning, right? And then along come the Puritans in, uh, you know, I think it's 18th century. It was no uh, 17th century. I think so. I can't remember honestly in in England, and they outlawed it. <clears throat> Oliver Cromwell became the prime minister and said, oh, "We're done. Hmm. We are absolutely done with Christmas." So the Puritans never celebrated Christmas at all. It was just a regular day, partly because of this very hmm. reason that that it was seen as being a pagan holiday and it had pagan roots, and so it's it must be spoiled. So anyway, there's a little bit of brief, probably 
way too broad brushed and sometimes inaccurate history uh, from me. Um, but here's the thing. Christians throughout the ages have been really good at stealing cultural forms and reattributing them with reinvesting them with Christian imagery and ideas and the cross we wear around our necks, for example. The, the, the mm. cross has some really bad original connotations. I, I hope everyone's clear on that. Yeah. Right. It was. It's. It's a. It's like having a, a hypodermic needle around one's neck for the for the lethal injection. But we have reattributed the cross to be actually a sign of glory. And rightly, rightfully so. And so I love the fact that we've stolen some of this stuff and reattributed it. I'd, I'd actually like us to steal the rainbow flag back because it was God's first, right? The rainbow was yeah. first God's. But, you know, right now in this cultural moment, I know that that's not probably realistic or true or whatever, but I think it's, I think it's really um, not a horrible thing. It, the question is, what do people mean by it now? Mm. I think that's, and, yeah. That's, I think that's key because Christians have known that December 25th is not Jesus' birthday. No, everybody knows. Right. Yeah, and know they, even when they came up with it, they're like, we know this <laughs> isn't his birthday, Yeah. but we're going to set a date on the calendar that we're going to celebrate as his birthday. Right. You know, and, and I think that you're absolutely right, Jeff. We need to understand that. You know, we're not trying to say this is his birthday and that this is our, you know, former Christmas. No, we've repurposed this and used it to celebrate his birthday, which I think is great. Right, and there's a great common grace stuff that goes on in Christmas time, isn't mm. there? I mean, this is the stuff that we should be... We should love the fact that um, all around, in all the stores and in all the advertisements and all this stuff, listen, uh, the name of Christ is there, mm-hmm. right? Mm. It's mm-hmm. it's Christ. Even the X, by the way, is the, is the Greek... Uh, the, is the Greek letter key, which yeah. was a shorthand for Christ. Mm-hmm. And those that you can't get it. Christ mess is everywhere. And so the songs are played on the radio. Uh, yes, and Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree is one of those songs. And yes, there are a whole bunch of, you know, you, you listen to more Wham! this time of year than you ever do any other time because... This Christmas. That's right. But I'm, anyway. I'm telling you that mixed in with those are also songs, Joy to the World and Hark the Herald yeah. Angels Sing, mm. and things that declare the glory of God. And we should be, among all people, thankful and rejoicing that this is even as bad off as our culture has gotten in so many ways, and rejecting of God in His ways. There is this month of the year where we all seem to celebrate hmm. this story at some at some level and yes uh, some people repurpose it and try to rob of it of it, of it, it sorry it of its meaning and we get the opportunity though on a christmas eve service or through a play yep. or through conversations or through movies to try to tell tell them you know the real story is better than this you know or the real story is pretty remarkable right mm-hmm. the way the bible tells it yeah so i mean i love this time of year and i love celebrating all the goofy stuff that we do mm-hmm. hanging like stockings and all that kind of stuff, which really does not have any kind of like Christian background history, and yet I love the fact that we get to be generous and give gifts to our kids and receive them from others, and I love all that. So stuff. even there, there even though there's no command or ex- exhortation in the Bible about this kind of you know widespread celebration of these kinds of things, no, oh. you you find no. No issues, because the, the main argument people pose against it is that us practicing these things see, are not biblical. See, I'd push back against that hard, 
because when you see when you read through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, what you see is that God's constantly placing markers in history saying you need to remember this. Mm. And and holidays mm. was a huge part of the Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, if we we should be making more holidays to remember more of what God's doing mm. than less of the holidays to remember less of what God's done for us. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact, I would actually push the opposite way. The Bible actually shows and gives an example of doing more celebration, not mm-hmm. less. Yeah, and I, I'm just reading Colossians chapter yeah. uh, 2, verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink mm-hmm. or the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. These, are shadows, uh, these are a shadow of what's to come, of what was to come, the substance is the Messiah. Let no one disqualify you insisting on ascetic practices in the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by his mm. unspiritual mind. My, this is the background of Colossians was that there were people who were thinking that they were more holy because they were either abstaining from certain things or engaging in certain practices mm. around like holiday festivals and eating and drinking certain things. Mm. And Paul's like, okay, stop this. This is These things don't make you spiritual or not spiritual, mm-hmm. right? Engage if you need to, and don't engage if you don't need to. A lot of it comes down to one's Christian liberty. Mm. Um, I, honestly, though, the, the idea that you are going to be, uh, you know, you are letting in some sort of demonic presence by celebrating Christmas and giving gifts under a tree, or by putting lights up on your house, or eating candy canes, or going to the Christmas parade in Mission, which is this Friday, yep. right? If th- this... This this is is really silly and and actually um, it, it's it's mm. condemned in scripture. When I say condemned, the the judgment around mm. it is condemned in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So when we uh, as a staff we all decorated the church together this year. Yes, and that was good times. And Jeff, I noticed there is one tree that didn't look the best in terms of how it was lit. Yeah, that was. And mine. the rumors are that that was your tree. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So as much as, as much as you love the lights... I do. I like other people putting them on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me just tell you, when I put lights on a tree, I do, I do it for speed. Really? No, and the coverage doesn't matter much to me. So this wow. is why... Let me a little piece of advice to you, gentlemen. If mm. you do something really badly, they don't ask you to do it again. Mm. So... Words to live by kids. It's a servant's heart there, friends. Words, words to live by kids. The day that we actually set, did this last week, uh, I think it was last week on a Tuesday. Oh, it was pouring rain. It was rain. pouring rain, and, and Paul and I were not told about no, our particular job of going outside, no, so we neither of us were prepared for No it. raincoats. So Paul and I made the executive decision, and by Paul and I, I mean I, made the, dissection, the executive decision that, uh, you know, three trees was pretty much good. We'll call it a day. And, and then the perfectionists among us decided, oh, we can't have it not have trees all the way around the building, to which I was like, yeah, we can. But they were like, no, no, it won't look right. Okay, totally, I, uh, that's fine. So they did it. So we're thankful for uh, Dan, Sparrow. Dan Sparrow and Freddie. Um, Roscoe and so, Vic. Yep, and because the, they went out there and they, and they gave all that they had hmm. to become wet and to... Uh, and to, to wrap those trees with lights. And so every moment that I drive by now, I'm thankful for the, for the committed hard work of them. That's the American in you. And my laziness. Becoming yeah. thankful and, about stuff in November. Mm. And later in that, later in that day, because I had nothing like in terms of uh, coverage, like no, no rain hat, no hood, mm. none of that kind of stuff. Mm. So I was out there, and so my, and I didn't look at myself afterwards, like what, what I looked like, and I didn't worry about it the rest of the day. And then all of a sudden there was a, a 
surprise appointment. Somebody just showed up at the church and went to meet with me. And I noticed while I was talking with him, he was kind of looking at me. He was asking me questions like, uh, like, you know, why, like, who are you? Like, and, and anyway, it was, Do you work and he here? had this, he did, he asked me <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor. You're like, okay, whatever. And then after he left, I went in the bathroom. I looked at myself and I was like, oh, that's probably yeah. why my hair was just like Dishev- all over the place. Disheveled. <laughs> yeah. I did not look. Don't you love that? The part of somebody who should be counseling Not one of anybody. us <laughs> said, hey, Paul, you're looking a little rough. Mm. We were all like, you know what? He'll figure it out. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually. Notice. Some men operate. <laughs> oh, amusing to if me. If only, if only we didn't have any hair. Mm. If, if only. Yeah, Vic didn't have to worry Thanks, that. Thanks, Jeff. Too. Appreciate that. Well, you don't have to worry about these things. You know what? You think these eyebrows make themselves, Jeff? Sorry, what? Yeah. What? All right, you. Sorry, what? Are did we you done? Say? You say we're done, guys. Make yeah. Themselves? Thank you very much for listening. We're going to leave Gandhi's eyebrow comment to itself. I'm just saying that I take care of my eyebrows, Greg. <laughs> and they look good. What's the process of which? I don't want to talk about it. So if yeah, you, you have <laughs> any more questions about Andy's eyebrows you clearly or his, uh, if he's his pathetic beard or whatever, oh, you go ahead and email them in to extra at northview.org and uh, we will see you soon.